Hello, all of you wonderful women and men of the dark art community. This is Chet Czar bringing you another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. Episode 109, to be exact. This week, I interview artist Brendan Flynn. Now, Brendan is someone that many of you may not have heard of. I hadn't heard of him. I just happened to stumble upon one of his paintings on some form of social media. And I thought, wow, this guy's great. And it just kind of worked out to where he was available this week. And I hadn't booked a guest. And boom, there you have it, an interview with Brendan Flynn. This stuff's really amazing. So I'm excited to bring it to you because, like I said, he's been flying under the radar a bit. So uh, that's one of the another one of the fun aspects of this podcast is being able to help expose newer artists to a broader audience. So uh, that interview went well. I'm recording this after the fact, like I normally do record these intros after the interviews. I am completely wiped out, if you can't tell already. I've been busting my ass to get ready for Monster Palooza. And by the time you hear this, it will have been over for two days at least, depending on when you listen to it, but uh, it will have happened last weekend, although it's still, for me, now, happening tomorrow, starting tomorrow. And I worked until 5 in the morning last night. It was a long, brutal night. But I have more stuff, I think, than I ever have had at a convention. Tons and tons of resin pieces and lots of glow-in-the-dark stuff and new canvas she clays so excited about that hoping to break my record and make more money than i ever have because i need it because <laughs> i got taxes coming up and sales tax and blah 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 anyway that's pretty much been what i've been going uh through pinch nerve is pretty much all better I still feel little tingles once in a while, but it's not at all what it was. So thank God for that. Uh, yeah, just been working on Monster Palooza stuff. So, And I managed to get this interview in because I am that dedicated to this podcast. Because I know you would hate to miss a week. I've only missed one week the whole time. I've been doing this podcast, and I don't even remember what the reason for that was, but uh, maybe because I was sick or something. I think maybe because I was sick, but anyway. Okay. Let's get on to new subscribers. Um, do we have new subscribers this month? We had a bit of a slowdown, but um, that's to be expected. I need to log out of my other Patreon. I'm really after Monster Palooza. I am going to start with renewed vigor, <clears throat> promoting my <clears throat> personal Patreon account, which is Patreon.com/slash/Chetzar. Because I am, I just, I really see this as a way out of this crazy hustle I have to do. 
We speak about it actually in the podcast. That's why I bring it up. Damn it. I logged out of mine and I logged back into it. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I just the potential to create work, present it directly to the people who want to see it and not have to worry about selling anything. It's kind of amazing. So I know I can get there. I, I know I can do it. I know other people are doing it. So I know it can be done. Um, all right, let's see who. New subscribers. Okay, we've got... Uh, I got... James Pinkett last time, I believe. Yeah, I'm recording this a little early this week. Okay, we've got Deloria Blackwolf joined for only a dollar. You can join for just a dollar and get the podcast early and support it so that I can keep doing it. Thank you, Deloria. We've got at Wiseman Art. Thank you so much. And then we have Christopher. Thanks, Christopher. So there you go. Those are the new supporters, the people that are making it happen. If you're supporting this podcast for as little as a dollar a month, you are making it happen. You are helping me create this podcast. I could tell you if the money wasn't there, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it. I would have to stop to earn money to live. So wouldn't be having the t-shirts, wouldn't be having the website being built. Oh, here's another cool thing. I have to figure out how to make this work, but you know the t-shirt, the official member shirt that I was posting pictures of, which you can get for $50 by just pledging for $50 for a single month on the, on the uh, Patreon. I've got pins made of that logo and they're coming at some point today via DHL. So I'm excited about that. So I got to figure out how to sell those or use them as a perk for people at a certain level. I think that's what I'm going to do, but I want to use that to get more people over onto the Patreon. They look so cool. They look amazing. Oh, that might be them. That's probably them. Uh, not, no, I was just dog growling at some, probably a dog across the street. Anyway, they, they look amazing, and uh, I'm excited about getting them today. Anyway, let's get on to... Shut up. Do you hear that? I'll be out in a second, Doc. Okay, uh, here are the five questions of the week. TC at, okay, at TC Large Art. Who is your favorite Game of Thrones character and how do you predict the series will end? Well, we talk about Game of Thrones in this episode, actually, in this interview. I talk about how I was moved to tears by a scene that was because it was so incredibly amazing. Um, favorite character. There's so many good characters in there that I don't really have a favorite. I suppose 
man. Uh, what's Peter Dinklage's character's name? He's pretty amazing. T Tyrion, is it? Um, I'm gonna look now. I need to know. I, I mean, uh, there's so many amazing characters. I can't. Uh, I, I can't. Yeah, Tyrion. That's his name. If I had to pick one, maybe I'd pick him. I think he's he's incredible in it. But everybody's incredible in it. Um, I'm not. You know, it's easier to say who I'm not a huge, as big a fan of, like the Sansa character. I mean, she's great within the context of the show, but you know, she, I don't know. She's, I'm not super crazy about her. I mean, like a, she's she's perfect though. Yeah, I'm. I can't criticize this show. It's pretty much perfect to me. But she's, you know, she seems kind of low key, and I like um, Tyrion because he's clever with the things he says, and she seems just kind of like I don't know. Oh, uh, Arya is pretty great. Uh, okay. There's too many. There's too many. Okay, so um, I'll go with Tyrion. I don't know how the series will end. That's one thing that's great about Game of Thrones is it, it will kill your favorite character or lead at the drop of a hat without warning you, so there's no point in predicting it. I mean, I'm hoping for a happy ending, of course. I know a lot of people are like, if everybody doesn't die, I'm going to be very disappointed, which I don't get. I'm looking for, you know, resolution and peace terrain over the kingdoms what i don't get is all these people that like all these people that hate game of thrones or have this kind of disdain for it who have never seen it like they're proud to have never seen it like why would you be proud to be ignorant of something it's one thing if you saw it and said yeah it just wasn't for me or i didn't dig it that's one thing but to be proud of like never having watched an episode i don't know that's kind of weird to me Anyway, okay, at Count Bagel Juice, that's a good name. What do you think is the most important thing about individual art? Uh, that's kind of, I'm not sure I understand the question. What do you think is most important about individual art? Uh, if I, the way I'm understanding this question, I think maybe the style, the individual style, having a unique style, maybe the most important thing, a recognizable style. Um, there are so many important things about art. I just, it's the individual art thing kind of throws me off. So maybe you could clarify and I'll answer it again next week or the following week because I'm not quite sure about that one. At Scum Choir, another great name. Do you have a rookie mistake that you didn't realize you were doing for a really long time? Uh, mm, not for a really long time, but I do have some rookie mistakes that come to mind. One being that I did, I do remember being desperate early on and s selling to a buyer, selling a painting to a buyer for half price, which is like the gallery price. 
Uh, and you, that's just this. And, and then, and then I found out after that you never are supposed to do that. And I never did it again. Cause that's, that's for a number of reasons. Like you're basically screwing over everyone, all your collectors, you're screwing them over by doing that. Because if someone finds out they got a painting for twice, another collector got it for just because you were desperate, they're not going to be happy about it. And it kind of lowers the value of your work. So um, the other thing, I guess the thing I, yeah, there's one that, that I did for a long time. And that was, I didn't pay a lot of attention to my framing for the first few years. Like frames, I just thought, whatever, any frame is fine. I kind of did some weird stuff trying to be creative with like Home Depot threaded rods and brackets and made some weird frames for my first kind of solo show at uh, uh, Cannibal Flower. But I, I used to get the shittiest frames, cheapest and shittiest frames, because I always thought starting out, I thought that people would change the frame. I thought they would reframe their artwork sort of to go in their house or to match their couch or whatever. But that's not really the case. I found, I mean, I'm sure I, I know of, of um, instances where that has happened, but it's really rare in my experience that they change the frame. People want, they want a piece that they can take and hang up and, once I realized the importance of framing, I started customizing my own frames and, you know, I get as much compliments on my framing for my paintings as I do for my paintings themselves. So framing is very important. And I didn't learn that lesson for quite a few years in, but once I, once I realized how important it is, I started investing in framing and, you know, if you can't afford to invest in nice framing, professional framing, then at least go to thrift stores and find unusual vintage frames. But I think customizing frames is really the way to go nowadays. There wasn't a lot of people doing it early on when I was doing it, but it seems a lot more common, especially in the dark art scene. Everyone's gluing skulls onto frames now, which is cool. I think it's, it, it helps sell the artwork too. That's a, a huge thing. It could be the difference between a sale and not, not a sale is having a good frame on it. Uh, at Marcel X Bernard, will Vincent Castiglia be a guest on the podcast? Yes, he will. I actually spoke to him about that when I saw him at a show at Copro a few weeks back. And we basically set up a time, I think it was end of April or sometime in May or something. It's, it's happening though. I've got a list of people who have confirmed that they're going to be on the show and Vincent's one of them. There's a lot of great guests coming up. Some really good ones. Okay. At Pyra. How do you feel about Tarantino movies? I love Tarantino movies. I'm a big fan of his movies. Of course, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I love those from the get-go. Hateful Eight was amazing. 
Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to that new one. He, he's got, that's uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's like L.A. in the 60s is the backdrop for it. So I'm kind of excited about that. So, yes, I feel good about Tarantino movies. All right, I am so tired. I'm sorry if I lacked energy this time. But I did it. I managed to do it. Me and my caffeine water. All right, so let's get on with the episode. Again, it's episode 109. Artist Brendan Flynn. We had a really great conversation. It was really fun talking to him. He's also a musician. It was really interesting. We, we got along very well. So I hope you enjoy the interview and check his work out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the interview. Hello, Brendan. Hello. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. I, no I, I don't know how I found out about your work, but I was like, where's this guy been hiding? Like I, <laughs> I, I had never, I don't know if I've never seen your work before, but cause a couple pe- pieces did look kind of familiar to me, but your presence online, like I had, I just had no idea that you were out there and I was like, this stuff's amazing. Well, I mean, I was, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, thank you for having me and it's definitely an, an honor. Um, Thanks. Especially looking through your podcast list and seeing the artists that you've already interviewed. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been, I'm, I'm more amazed than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and I, I'm a, I've been following your work for a while. Um, and I was actually, when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> how do you find out? I mean, <laughs> so, I, yeah, um, I, I don't remember. It might've been on Instagram or I don't know how, but, but I, uh, immediately fell in love with your work. It's really great. Oh, thank you so much. Thank awesome. You. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I'm, we've shown together numerous times out in uh, Gower in 1988. Okay. And maybe that's I, where I saw. Yeah. I mean, and also like I'm friends with Shogren. And so oh, okay. a lot of the shows that he did with uh, Guillermo del Toro, I was part of, a part of as well. So. Okay. Yeah. That may be where the familiarity comes from. But as far as seeing your work online, when I messaged you was the first time I saw it online that, you know, I was aware of, I was like, I mean, I immediately wrote you and was like, Hey, you got to be on the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you're, right. you're, uh, you're on the East coast. Yep. Uh, Syracuse, New York, like Syrac- upstate, upstate New York. Oh, wow. Yes. How do you like yep. that? Uh, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got, I mean, I think why I've stayed over the years, I've always, I've always like thought about moving somewhere else. Um, but Syracuse is, is really cheap to live. Oh, that's nice. Um, and I do like the four seasons, yeah, even though I feel right. like I feel like in recent years it's more just winter and summer. We don't really have a fall or winter anymore, or fall and spring anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, right now March, April, and early May, it's always like you're hoping for the warm weather to come, but right. <laughs> the snow just holds on. <laughs> do you do you but, know Travis Louie? Because he lives in upstate New York, but I don't know where. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't either. I mean, I I definitely know of his work. Um, he lives but, out really way out in the boonies. Like, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Like really, him and uh, Mark Garrow. Do you know Mark Garrow? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're sure. they're upstate New York somewhere. I mean, I know it's a big place, but 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like, um, probably 10 minutes away from, uh, Syracuse university. So I'm, I'm like right in the city of Syracuse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Travis, he, he teaches at, at what's that art school? Pratt? Is it Pratt? Oh, Pratt. Oh, so he's, is he sort of near Brooklyn? Is he no, sort of like, no, he's like, he, he drives like an hour. I think he said it takes an hour and 45 minutes to drive in or something. Oh, okay. So, I mean, that, that could be anywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, anyway, so uh, you're an acrylic painter. Yeah. Yeah, so you're a great example of people saying that, you know, I'm a, an oil guy. I love oils. I, I can't sure. go back. I, I, I started in acrylics, and I, and I, and I can't go back because of the drying, the, the drying speed. But my dad always told me that you can make acrylics look like oils, like you can't tell the difference. I would have thought you were an oil painter by seeing your stuff. I, I, I think you can really, you know, they can look the same. It's not like one looks yeah. better than the other necessarily. Depending I mean, I on, think, you're a good example of that is well, my thank point. You. I, I think it, it, um, it all depends on, on your workflow and in mm-hmm. your mark making and what you prefer. And I never was really good at, at like, as I know a lot of oil painters, I like to premix their colors and, and be very accurate with their color making. And I, I like sort of going in and doing lots of layers and having the colors sort of like, I like to surprise myself. Yeah, once in a while. yeah I know. I do the same thing where it's, I, I'm not so much of a direct painter where I'm mixing the color. It's like, I'm letting the color happen as I layer, layer, you know, different colors over it. That's more fun that way. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we both, I'm over time after every painting you, you have, like you, you know what's going to come from mixing certain colors. Right. Um, but there is an, I don't know, depending on what color you use to do a wash or whatever, it can bring certain things out that you didn't expect and it can kind of inform like the next move. Right. That, you know, and I, I, I like that um, way of painting. Also, the reason why I like acrylic more than oil was I always drew like through in middle and high school and then in college, I always drew with ballpoint pens yeah, and okay. so like lots of small like hatch mark and mark making and and uh so my painting technique is kind of similar to that so it's a so lot I'm, of little little uh, little marks yeah oh, cool. and, and a lot of like small blending before the paint dries but it's nice because it dries so fast that you can just keep layering on right. top that that is the amazing thing about acrylics is it's like if you can sit there you can paint on it as long as you can sit there and paint on it <laughs> where, where i always find myself at a point on oils to where it's like I want to I want to finish this thing, but I I need to do some glazing on it, and I can't do that until it's dry. And you know, right. that's the only drawback to oils in my mind. Right, and then also like blending is 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 a little more tedious with the mm. acrylics. You got it's it kind of takes patience and a lot of layering and washing and stuff. But right, and everyone, and you can add retardant to it, make it dry yeah, slower. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, do you use any mediums or? or no, I don't really. I just nope, just like, go straight the tube. It's like uh, Crayola, like you know, uh, Greg Simpkins, oh, yeah. that artist. He he he's acrylic, and and he doesn't use any any uh, acrylic mediums, which trips me out. So you're I doing know. you're doing glazing with just thinned out paint. Yeah, I I, I tend to find that um, I notice the cooler colors are more transparent, mm-hmm. and you know, like the usually the the warmer colors have a little more body to them, and it's harder to do a wash. Right. Uh, that so I'll usually I'll usually do washes with you know the purples and blues and stuff and yeah. maybe like dark like hooker hooker's green stuff like that right 
Yeah, I can see that in your work now that you mention it, the way you, you, we color the same way. I, I can totally see it because you got the, some of them are almost kind of like, I don't want to say rainbow, <laughs> but it's like there's a lot of colors going on that, you know, yeah. I, I, I totally get that. You know, it's like right in line with me. Yeah, I, that's I, I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I think and I think, too, it's it's cool. You can see that from like the, the online image. But definitely when you see the paintings in person and the way that the light reflects off the pigment, it's it's even. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah, you got to see it in person for sure. All artwork you need to see in per- person. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Just like I always say, it's like the difference between a band, seeing a band live and hearing a band on a CD. It's that's it's like that or an album or whatever, you know. Well, that's a, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, I mean, I think that, that I could go on forever about about that. Uh well, that's yeah. I, I kind of brought, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of brought that up as a segue into you're in a band as well. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been playing music uh, since I was a, a little kid. I started on piano and then saxophone. And then, you know, when I was in high school, I wasn't listening to jazz music. So I transitioned into guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been playing in band since I was 17. And um, so here, well, the reason why I came back, so I went to school in Philadelphia and I came back to Syracuse because I was in a band. Oh, wow. And then, um, I got absorbed into a band called Freya, mm-hmm. which, do you know Earth Crisis? I just, I only know because I was just researching you and checking checking it out. It's really good. It's really great stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, I dug so, it. Uh, so Earth Crisis was like a, a Syracuse straight-edge vegan hardcore band from the 90s mm-hmm. that still exists to this day, but um, Freya was like an offshoot, and so I got absorbed into them, and I, I was with them for 10 years, and then I parted ways, and... Uh, I've been kind of doing my own thing. I've got an album coming out actually on the 26th of this oh, month. Really? Yeah. With a, with a, a new band that it's kind of, it's, it's, I guess more of a personal project. It's called diagonal path. Uh-huh. And, um, it's me. I wrote all the music, did all the recording of the guitars and bass. And then a really close friend of mine did the vocals. He's a local uh, guy. And then I had a drummer from uh, a Norwegian band called Leprous do the drums. Oh, excellent. His name is Bard Kolstad. Yeah. So where, so, did, you, where did you record it at? Um, so one of my closest friends has a studio in Syracuse. It's been around for, man, a, lo- a long time, probably probably 15 years or so. And um, he he kind of got his notoriety recording a lot of reggae bands. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the, the studio is called More Sound. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I recorded in my own backyard, which is very convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. I, I I I was in bands for many years. I was trying to do that before I started painting. Before I even yeah. realized, you know, I was going to be a painter. And uh, I really miss uh, studio recording. That's so. Yeah. I, I think it's so much fun, man. To me, it's like building a painting. You know, the layers yeah. and it's like watching your kid grow up. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I always love that. I know that, you know, a lot of bands, um, you know, tend to love live playing, which I, I did love playing live as well, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the process of recording. Yeah. And I, 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 so like to your previous comment, I feel like, I definitely feel like there's a, the live performance and the recording, depending on the music can be one and the same or the live can be better. But right. I feel like, just depending on the style of music. Um, yeah, that's true. That's 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 a good point because I, I think of certain bands when I say that when I make that comparison, 
Sure. You know? Sure. So, so but, like, like a like like a band. I, I think of a, the band No Means No. There's a band. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard No Means No, but yeah. they're they've they're amazing live and like a lot of the punk bands or the kind of punk bands I grew up with, the post punk bands and SST bands and stuff like the Minutemen. Oh, yeah. It, it's like you know they the record the the recording wasn't the the important part it was the live playing you know yeah I mean the I mean the the punk scene is is a is a different sort of animal I mean it's very visceral and it is about the energy right and and the community you know yeah yeah but the and, playing and, too though it's like you see a band like No Means No they're just so tight seeing yeah. that live is like wow and then you hear uh, you know yeah, like propaganda yeah. or something like that like, yeah right I mean they're super tight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, for, uh, when recording, especially I, I, the music that I, that uh, I like to write is very layered mm. and um, tons of vocal harmonies and stuff, and and uh, especially this new project. And I feel like I don't really ever plan to play it live, so I right. just my my whole idea was like, you know what, just make this like exactly what I wanted want it to be. Right. And yeah. Worry about how to recreate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't, I'm not going to. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can totally dig that. That's like the idea of using the, the recording studio as your instrument, basically, to create this piece of art. Yeah. You know, which yep. I would have, I wish, I someday hope to do again, because I really yeah. miss playing and recording. And um, But anyway, that's pretty amazing. So you, you're not planning on playing out? You're just kind of doing this just to do it or... Yeah, just I mean, it's something that I I can't not do. I feel like it's it's um at this point it's it's just an integral part of my identity as mm-hmm. I see myself and my my one one of my ways to um kind of just express myself. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the best with the written word. Like it takes me forever to write an email or to you know or or you know but drawing or or making music just is just easier yeah yeah i'm the um, same same way as you can tell by my interviewing skills <laughs> even talking i'm not like not great and it is difficult for me to write as well but like visually it's so much easier to to express yeah. myself that way it's like can't even compare the two really yeah you for know? sure i i think um and also the 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 metal music and the punk and hardcore definitely informed my painting and, and vice versa mm-hmm. you know and it's right. just been a, a process that's kind of been sort of chiseled away and in, into this thing as, as I get older, you know, yeah, they're very, very related. Yeah. They're like two sides of the same coin sort of in a way, yeah. you know, especially yeah. for you. Cause you do a lot of album artwork as well, right? Yeah. I, that's, that's sort of my main, my main gig, I guess, when it comes to commission work, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, um, I, you know, uh, that was sort of just a, when I was getting out of school, I was focusing more on like, more like lighthearted, like kids booky kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. I read that in an interview. I was like, wow, <laughs> you're going to do kids <laughs> yeah, books. What kind of kids books are these? <laughs> I, I mean, it, I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, man. <laughs> um, it would be like an Edward Gorey kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but then I, yeah, I, I kind of steered more towards the darker stuff because that's honestly what I preferred anyway as subject matter, but also that that's what was needed by my friends, bands and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you're the man for the job. Yeah, for sure. So, and that, I don't know, it it just kind of like started to move into that direction. And and now I don't really see my, I have a very hard time doing more lighthearted stuff because I just don't have an interest in it. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or, or if it is, it's more like, 
you know, I, I like doing stuff that's focused on nature or like my idea of like a, a reimagination of, of where evolution could take us or something right. and making sort of creatures that are a weird juxtaposition between land and sea or whatever, you know, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Like fantasy, I guess. Like an HP yeah. Lovecraft right, sort of thing. Right. I, I mean, that's ultimately what, what I think most of us are doing with the dark art stuff is, is, the, the 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 word fantasy has bad connotations, but mm-hmm. but really that's kind of what we're doing in a way. You know, it's like uh, it's kind of fantasy stuff, really. In a way, I guess uh, imaginative is maybe a better word. It's it's all about expressing the imagination and weird ideas. I think you know. Oh yeah, just totally with a, with a dark twist on it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I never really. I, I'm impressed by by artists that can do like photorealism. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, I, I, it's, there's nothing interesting there because you can just take a photo. Right. And so I want to see, and, and that's, I mean, that's not, I'm not knocking anyone for doing that. That's oh, what yeah. you like to cool. But, I know but I, for, for me, for me personally, it's, I don't know. I, I like to create something that has never existed exist. before. <laughs> yeah. But by the same time, you know, you can, you can make it believable enough where someone can like, they can put themselves there because they're like, Oh, I, I kind of feel like this exists. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not so far out. Like there's still something there that they can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's gotta be relatable in some way. You know, that's, that's why I'm, I'm always looking to nature for, you know, I, 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 as much as weird as my creatures are, there's always a proper sense of anatomy and you know, shadow and lighting and stuff because I want them to look real, you know, not photo real, but you know, real. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean that's almost a guarantee that if you add some sort of face or some sort of human anatomy, people are going to recognize it. Yeah, and yeah. instantly relate to it, and for better or for worse. But <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason I put like these guys smoking cigarettes and stuff because it's that. <laughs> aside from the anatomy and just the human working with the human figure, it's it just adds a relatability and a vulnerability in a way, you know, and, and a, oh. a humanness to, to it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So you went to, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, university of the arts. University. It's like right in downtown Philadelphia. Okay. Did you grow up in Philadelphia? No, I grew up uh, in Syracuse. Oh, in Syracuse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's like a, a, a pretty cool dark art scene happening in Philadelphia. Um, oh uh, yeah. Do you know about that? I mean, I uh, definitely there's a few galleries down there. Um, there's a and, bunch of artists and stuff too, doing really great stuff. Like Jeremy Hush. I oh, think. Jeremy Hush is awesome. Yeah, man. yeah, I want to get him on the show. He's amazing. And uh, I just interviewed. Wow, uh, what's her name? Buddy Nestor's girlfriend. <laughs> um, what is her name? Oh, Rachel Bridge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. she's amazing. She's she's. Uh, I think she's. Uh, yeah, she's out there. And John, John Baisley is. Yeah, there. yeah, from, yeah. There's a there's a there's a whole bunch. I I I didn't know until this uh, friend of mine, Steve Clef, was telling me about it. I was like, wow. So hopefully, I'm going to keep keep getting people from that area on the show. But yeah, Mike Wolberg is out there. He's the art director for Decibel Magazine. Oh, cool. And he, he'll he'll show with you know Jer- uh, what's I forget the gallery. I think it's called the the church or yeah. The yep. Yeah, yeah. So they were telling me really about that shows there. Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. That's what I love to see is communities because LA is like <clears throat> got so many, so many cool, great dark artists. But you know, I want to see it 
all over the world, you know, and little communities having their own. Yeah, I, th I think like, and also to it, like in LA in particular, like I guess every gallery is different, but I know that there's like the pop, the pop art is really big mm -hmm. with certain galleries. Um, and it's nice because the Philly scene has got a whole different vibe to it oh, yeah. than the LA scene. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like yeah. Copro is the big dark art place in LA. I think there's a couple and there's hyena. Yep. And what's that other place that, uh, Liz Lopez shows up. Uh, I forgot the name. Oh, Dark Art Emporium. So, oh sure, you sure. Know, there's some good ones there, but yeah, the the main bigger galleries are kind of pop surrealism still, I guess. Yeah, I, but I, I, it's it's nice to, to see that uh, in recent years things are starting to move into a different territory. It's a little darker. Yeah, right? the yeah. public is accepting of that, which is nice. You yes. Know? <laughs> yeah, I was. God, I saw something the other day. And I was thinking, this is the kind of shit we have to deal with. <laughs> it was like someone commenting on somebody's beautiful painting, someone on social media just saying, you, you know, basically calling him a Satanist and you're evil. Oh, sure. You know, it's like, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of shit we have to deal with all the time. Even though that guy probably owns like five cats and. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just like, exactly. Su super nice. <laughs> yeah. Vegetarian, probably. And... Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so you went to school, and what did you, you you got out of school? Did you you went to school for illustration, right? Yep, yep, for illustration. Um, and uh, I had a, I had some amazing teachers there, um, but I will say that it it was funny because I felt like I was being taught by like the older generation mm. and the 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 way that it was set up. It hadn't like hadn't merged into where we are now, as far as like, uh, social media or websites. And I mean, to, to graduate, I needed like a physical portfolio. Right. I feel like schools are the last place to know <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, and, and, and I, I, I get it. Like, you know, I, I do appreciate that there was definitely more attention on the craft mm -hmm. and learning some of the rules of, composition and color theory and and um but it was definitely like you could as i got out of school i just felt like shit what do i do now you know like, right, yeah yeah you know? um and it's been it's kind of been a a, a long learning curve for me because also too, i'm not very outgoing when it comes to my art mm -hmm. like I don't, I don't i'm i don't like to brag about it i don't really like to talk about it unless i'm asked right um, you got to get over and, that. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Of course, yeah, of course. But I just like I, I just like to I like to create, you know. Right? Yeah. That's but that's uh, I talk about that a lot. That that it was for myself. It was uh, something I had to. I was you know I was the same way. Most artists are that way. I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, totally. Um, it was something I had to force myself to do. I had to start going and talking to people. I had to start going to shows. I had to learn how to talk to people and not because I was just not into it at all you know i yeah. just wanted to go and paint but i was also very d determined to make this work so you know i just had to push myself and kind of get over that um little hump and you know i'm a better person for it you know I oh of course i mean i don't i don't have a problem talking to someone in person that's always that's actually because I'm a bartender. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you. Yeah, that, yeah. That you is, have to is, be able to talk to people if you're a bartender. Yeah, I mean, that's, that that is that's is the fun part. Um, I think what what I've noticed too, 
and I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like there is still a hunger, especially like for if you're meeting like a new art director or a gallery owner or anyone like they're more willing to give a job to someone that they can meet in person and have that mm-hmm. one-on-one contact. Oh yeah, for sure. Instead of like, cause I mean, they're getting inundated with emails and yep. uh, social media posts and like, and everyone's, everyone's like sort of the same. They're all, the, they're all people. And I think we forget about that because of like, we see them as someone that's in power, you know, right. holding this thing above us. But like, I've noticed that I'll get better responses by just having a real chat with someone Definitely. at a gallery opening or something because then they, they, they kind of form a trust and they, they want to give, they want to give help to someone that they like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you get a, you don't get a sense of what a person's like through an email really. Yeah. You know? but, um, and, and their work can be great, but <clears throat> then you don't know if they can deliver on time, you know, right. you know, yeah. You so, get a, yeah. You get a feeling from someone when you meet them and, I agree. It's it's uh, it's huge to make a personal connection with people who own galleries and other artists and oh, yeah. collectors and everything. So, yeah, that's good that you can talk. You just don't like talking about your work. Whereas I was like, I didn't want. To, I I had a hard time talking to anybody. So right. you know, it was, that was my hurdle. Yeah. Um, uh, it works great. So you should talk well, it out. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> oh, thank you. What, yeah. What, what was, uh, so I noticed the one thing I love about your work is that it's very like, it's very graphic in it's shape. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, and I feel like when, when think about character design, having like creating like a really attractive shape first. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I, I see that in your work. Like it, and I don't know, is that inspired by like your history with FX or probably, with movies? Probably. It's it's not something that I I con- I kind of consciously do it now more, but I remember I was working with a guy named uh Constantine Sicaris. Okay. He's a, a creature designer. We were both doing creature design at the last shop I worked at. And he was showing me the importance of silhouette and how you can, you know, if you take the the figure and uh, if you take the silhouette and black it out, mm. wait a minute, what was he saying? It's like you can, oh, he was showing me that he basically, he was showing me the importance of the silhouette, which I never really thought about until then. It was more like I was kind of intuitively doing it, but yeah. you know, it's cool to be intuitive, but it's also cool to know what you're doing. You know, it makes you better, I think. But I remember him showing me, these silhouettes he was doing of this creature and he, he was able to, he's like, yeah, if you, you can make the front of the creature and the back of the creature using the same silhouette, if that makes any sense. And I was like, whoa, it kind of blew my mind and kind of, you know, showed me how important a a silhouette is, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't think in terms of silhouettes, but I'm aware of it, you know? Yeah. One of the, courses that there's, you know, little, little tidbits of, of schooling stuck with me. And then, you know, I, there was a lot of like unlearning I had to do uh-huh. coming out of school, but like the, there were some courses where it was, the course was called like 2d mm-hmm. and which is sort of silly, but it was basically just take like, learning basic composition with basic shape. And so you'd start with like just taking a square and a circle and triangle and like arranging them 
in in, a, in the same space and trying to make different compositions yeah. that fire around and you manipulate the viewer or whatever. It's and so then, important. Oh, totally. And then you and then you take like a a classic I don't know Renaissance painting and you you break it up into shapes. You're right. And you break it up into almost like a topographic map of grayscale. Mm-hmm. You know, and and all those all those uh, lessons were were tedious at times, but they were very informative. Yeah, um, I feel like that's well, a lot of people, maybe newer painters that are learning are missing that people that are learning on their own. Cause that's such an important aspect. The composition is so important. Yeah. You know, it's really important. I started, um, cluing into that by reading those old Walter Foster, how to paint books. I don't know if you remember that they're, they're yeah. old. They're like from the seventies and sixties. Some of them, I collect them and, um, they have really great, uh, little bits about, you know, the weight and how big something is kind of the balance of the painting and the composition. And it's like, I was, I mean, I'd been painting for years without thinking about composition, like just doing it all intuitively because I never went to school. So when I read that, I was like, Oh my God, this makes things so much easier. You know, just the Mm -hmm. rule of thirds, even, you know, these, all these ideas I I had no clue about, but I was kind of doing it just by feel, you know, but composition is really important. <clears throat> it totally is. I think also, um, you know, I think so I mentioned like the unlearning because I feel like like the, like you mentioned the rule of thirds, and that's that is a really great jumping off point. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the end all be all. Right. And I think a lot of artists kind of fall in a trap of like, well, I gotta I gotta follow these rules. I gotta use this color scheme, and right. I, I can't have that color because it doesn't really fit, or I can't I can't place the the figure there because it's not in this particular system of rules or whatever. And I feel like people need to start trusting their instinct mm-hmm. after a while. It's a great place to start. Like yeah. I said, um, you know, you should, I, I, yeah, you should that? know, every, you should know everything. And like you said, kind of be able to let it go when you need to. Yeah. And I, I, even like in music, I, you know, I've, I've talked with people who went to Berkeley and, and um, sometimes when you get, when you learn all the rules, a lot of times people have a hard time breaking them. Right. You know, they they get stuck with like, well, that's not in that scale or in right. the, that doesn't work. And it's it's like, well, how does it make you feel? Right. And that's and they can they can both live in the same space. But I think it's it's nice to like learn to like, well, I can break the rules here and it works. Right. Yeah. yeah that's kind of I think that's the ultimate is knowing the rules and then being able to break them when you want. That's kind yeah. of the ultimate, not getting stuck too much in the rules. But on the other end of it, you can get stuck by not knowing the rules, you know? Oh, oh totally. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I went through that. I, I never got past that with my guitar playing. I never got past a certain point because I just didn't know anything. It was all I learned by ear. And mm-hmm. I, got, I got pretty good. Like, I'm a good rhythm player. I'm not a great lead player. But I, was, I learned enough to write songs. But looking at it now... I realized that I was only able to write certain kinds of songs, which was cool because it was the kind of music I liked, which was kind of quirky punk type stuff. But, you know, I couldn't do other things that I didn't understand. And I had a friend I worked with, uh, this guy, Mitch Devane. I always talk about him, the sculptor. He was really great. Like he's all into prog. He was Mm -hmm. in a prog band in the 70s. And he was trying to teach me. He's like, it's really simple. He was like showing me on, on a, he drew out a keyboard and he's like, it's these repeating notes and it goes from here to here and this is blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was numbers. 
and he's a very logical guy, and it was just like whoosh, right yeah. over my head. But right. you know, I'm still fascinated. I'd love to learn more more technical things about music one day. Yeah, I mean, I because the music and art are so integrated with my creative process, I, I see the parallels all the time, mm-hmm. and I try to make comparisons between the two all the time. Um, and you know, it's for me learning music. I, I also like. I haven't read music since high, early high school. Like guitar was just by ear. Mm-hmm. It was just hours and hours of practice and just listening to music and right. just sort of taking it in. Um, but I, I'm like you, like you said, I'm, I'm more of a rhythm player. I'm not a very good lead player. Um, and I definitely have my comfort zones and I try to, to break out of them when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's same thing with art. It's like, but the, the funny thing is, is like, I don't know how you are, but, throughout the years, whether it be music I'm listening to or artists I'm looking at. And it's like, oh man, I wish I could paint like John Singer Sargent. I wish I could draw like Baron Story, or I wish I could play guitar like Dimebag Daryl or whatever. And right. it's like, no matter what I did, it would always sound like my stuff or, or look like my stuff. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> you that's, know? you know, that's what you want though. Ultimately, you know what I mean? That, that That's like, for worse, you know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what, that's all. That's what I, um, believe is that all all we have now are is is ourself that's the only thing that's the only i don't want to say edge but that's the only thing we have over the old masters because everything's already been painted as good as it can possibly be done it's it's been done and that was like hundreds of years ago it's already been done like as best as good as you could do it so the only thing you really have now is your own voice that's the one thing that nobody else has so that's uh, that's it, super important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, the, it's more important than being able to play like someone else. It's that you can play right. like yourself. And also, I think knowing your limitations and, mm. and working with them and around them. Um, yeah. And I think that's also a really fun challenge too. Is like, well, I can't, you know, I I can't draw like so and so, or or I can't play like so and so. And you're like, well, I can do this, and I right. know how to do this, and like. How can I make the marriage of that work? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the one, like, if I were to to go back to my younger self at school or whatever, you know, I think if I were to, to teach or talk with a younger artist, I would just say, like, don't worry about style. Because mm-hmm. I think focus on like having experiences, going out, tra- like travel, look as much art as you can, listen to music, like ha- have tons of friends, like talk with people, and just keep making art right. and keep. Failing. I think learning how to fail and moving past it is so important. Right. And not worrying about style because style is going to, you have style. It's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's you. It's, it's going to come out eventually if you keep drawing and painting or whatever, you know, or playing. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, like the way I, the way I sort and this is kind of wooey, but the way I, I kind of visualize people, like, is like if if you say say you give every uh, like take ten artists that are freaking amazing what they do give them the same still life the same medium and tell them to to paint that or draw that mm-hmm. and everyone will do something different yeah which is amazing to me yeah it is it's, and it's it's for me I, I view I view people as like just like sedimentary layers of, of, of filter of experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like life kind of filtering through to your hands and, and that's what comes out. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the magic, you know, that's the magic of art. Yeah. I, I, 
I got hung up for a while on painting loose. Like sure. I felt like, oh, I'm not good unless I could paint like Sargent, where you where you know you you step back and it looks amazing and tight kind of, and then you go look up close and it's just like you know, just like big ass <laughs> strokes, like, oh, he just did one stroke there, that fucker. But very <laughs> intentional. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I um I was trying to do that and I and I kept trying to do it and I and I finally did it like to, to where I was like, okay, this is this is good. I I think this is good. It was this painting of my dog. And I painted it really loose. And um, once I did it, I was like, okay, now I know I can paint that way, but I still want to paint the way I paint. And it's like I kind of accepted that why am I trying to change what I'm doing? People like it, and I like it. You know, mm-hmm. people like the detail. They like the tightness. I like to do it. So why am I right. killing myself <laughs> trying to be just because it's, you know, Painting loose is is the uh, is is like a well respected way of painting, you know. Right. And I love it and I appreciate it, but it's not where I. It's not me really, you yeah. know. And I and once I was able to get past that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. I know I can do it if I have to, but I um I'm I'm just going to follow my instincts, you know. Yeah, and just go with For that. Sure. And I th- yeah. I, I I get stuck too with with that idea of, of of being gestural and loose. I think where where it can benefit us as like people who like to render, mm-hmm. I think where it kind of adds to the, the like that like the gesture of the figure or, or like mm-hmm. the move of the space and and having that fluidity and in the initial stages. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Um, that's and right. I think that's where it's important, you know. Yeah, yeah. I try and do that, and I and I try and leave parts of it loose because I just like that. Mm-hmm. I like the yeah. look of it and the feel of it. But I'm also, um, I'm not. Uh, uh, I guess I'm not ashamed of how I paint now. It's like I like it. It's it feels good. Yeah, people seem to like it, so it's like you know. Fuck yeah, it. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna paint. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's always an interesting uh, line to walk. I, f- I don't know if you felt this way throughout your career, but it's like you, there's like this weird thing where you, you have an ego, but then you don't have an ego. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, like in the middle where it's like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I belong amongst certain artists, but then, but then when those, but then if I am I'm like, oh, I, I wish I could, I don't, my art's not as good as them, but right. you kind of be seen as that. I don't know. Like, uh, for instance, like the, um, where a good example of this is like where I show my art. Like I've been asked by numerous local like restaurants and cafes, like, "Hey, you want to show art here?" And it's like, "Well, not really, right?" Because <laughs> price point is too high; it's not going to be taken seriously. And and B, you know, people don't go there to buy the art, and it just it makes you look less than you are, right? Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's. Definitely, uh, you need to consider where you show, depending on where you're at in your career. Like, oh, of course. when I first started, I would show anywhere. I, I didn't care. I would show anywhere. I, it's sure. In fact, some some place that was called the Alternative Cafe still has one of my paintings, and I cannot find them. <laughs> I can't contact them. But I but I was showing at cafes and wherever. Yeah. But but there's a certain point where you're like. You know, does this does this make sense for me where I'm at right. in, in my career? You know, and if it doesn't, then don't do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And I, I when I when I when I do talk to uh, people at the bar when they find out I'm an artist, or whatever, and they, you know, 
there's a litany of questions I always get asked and that's, and that's one of them. And, and it's, and I, I sort of like reel back. I'm like, I don't want to sound arrogant, but like, this is just like a career move that I think makes sense for me, you know? And it's like, would you want to pay two grand for a painting from a restaurant? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not, it's not very likely. It's not, (laughs) not not likely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and also, too, it's like time. It's like how much time you put into your work and right. framing. And then it's like, yeah, it's just not the payout doesn't equal. There's a lot of things. Factoring, yeah, but. yeah, for sure. Because because uh, you know, a lot of times you the 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 place showing it is getting this huge benefit of having your artwork there, and you're not getting anything out of it really. Maybe some exposure, maybe a sale, but you know, it's not like they have people at restaurants talking your art up and trying to sell it like a gallery at least is going to be trying to sell it because that's how they keep their doors open. Right. You know? Right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. So that's, that's not arrogant. <laughs> that's maybe that's <laughs> yeah. part of, that's part of your not wanting to talk about yourself thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think every artist needs to find that, that balance between being humble and, and hungry and always wanting to learn, mm-hmm. but then also like having some self-respect. Yeah. And confidence. And, yeah. And confidence and, and finding that balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I know for me, the confidence comes from having done it so many times, but at least on a person, maybe not in, in, uh, on a one-to-one, like talking myself up. I've always kind of believed in my artwork. So I, I, is, I never, really had problems like talking myself up to people. It's more like just the talking part that I had trouble with. But but um, I always thought, I always really liked what I what I was doing. Like, I, I like my paintings. I think they're cool. That's why people, it kind of bugs me when people, are, you know, say things like, uh, you know, my work sucks, you know. When they're good painters and they're sitting there, you know, playing the, the humble routine of you sure. know you must have bad taste if you like my artwork or it's like you know <laughs> give me a break come on it's you not, know, i mean not a sales pitch either <laughs> <laughs> you know some people say that like it's a it's a self-deprecating thing but um you know obviously you believe in what you're doing or you wouldn't be doing it and if you don't believe in what you're doing then you're a piece of shit <laughs> painting you know you're you're, you're painting <laughs> shit that you don't believe in to make money or whatever not a piece of shit but you know what i'm saying no I, yeah sure but um yeah. i don't even remember what my original point was um uh i don't know <laughs> well I, I was talking about sort of the, the line of 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 sort of confidence and then oh 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 i know humble. i know let me finish <laughs> no, no no before i forget um yeah what i was gonna say is i, I got more confident in my work just the more I painted because sure. the, the more you paint, the less, yeah. I, I, cause in the beginning you're painting and it's like, am I going to be able to make it? Is this one going to work or is it going to be a piece of crap? And right. you're not sure because you haven't done that many paintings. So it's like every painting is like, well, it might be good or it might not be good. And then after you paint enough good paintings, you start going, okay, I've done 20 paintings that are really good that I think are really good. So I know I can do it if I, you know, I know I can do it now. So I think you just kind of, the more you create, the better you get at it and the better you get at it, the more confident you are in it. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. And also I think too, 
part of that confidence, and I think I remember hearing you mention this, maybe even your Brahm interview, but I think as, as you, or maybe he said it, but um, as you get, as you, as you get older and you paint a lot more things, you'd rather just sell it, see it go right. and, and work on the next one. Yeah. And that is so important. I feel like also to aid in your confidence, to see that people are, do want it and every sale kind of adds to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Learning not to hold on to it and to realize that like you could you could do that again right. or improve upon that last thing. Right. Yeah. You could do it again or do do something better. And and yeah. you know, you're not so precious with everything. Um I totally agree. I totally agree. I I, I I saw in an interview how you were saying that that you had trouble letting paintings go at first. Yeah, yeah. For a while, you know. I think that's that's just such a common thing I hear. A lot of artists feel that way. You know, for sure. Cause it's especially when you, when you have, when you, every painting gets better and you, and I'm sure every artist has like these sort of pivotal, pivot, pivotal pieces where it's like, well, that's the best thing I've ever done. I'm never right. going to be able to on that. <laughs> and then, the, and then, you know, it's like these, um, it's, it's sort of like how we're trained to view art in general as society. I mean, you see like every best piece that every master has done, but you never saw the crap that came in between. Right. Them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see it. Yeah. So everyone, everyone thinks like, man, if I don't, if not every piece I do is, is a master work then I'm failing. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Right. Like, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For every great artist, there's a trail of shit behind them of <laughs> shitty paintings. Yeah. Sergeant, sure. everybody, you yeah. know, except maybe, uh, some child prodigy or something, you know, like <laughs> Frazetta sure. was doing pretty amazing paintings when he, or drawings, I think when he was a kid or he was like a child prodigy, Frank Frazetta. Oh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, but you know, but then it's all, it's all perspective. It's all subjectivity. I yeah. mean, what, what, uh, what you think might suck is like the best thing that ever existed for right. a fan. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll, a lot of times I'll, you know, have this painting I think is so amazing and it just doesn't sell. And then I yeah. have one that I think isn't as successful and people just love it for some reason. So you never can tell, you know, you just got to keep yeah. keep trying to satisfy yourself. Um, I wanted to bring up, you, you mentioned you, you do this kind of, I don't want to say cross-hatching technique, but you're using a lot of small brushes and small, yep. little small marks, brushes. a lot of little marks and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was kind of a, uh, a marriage between doing little marks and then doing washes over top. Mm -hmm. And um, and I and I try. I see that sort of mark making is very sculptural. Like, yeah, yeah. So you you kind of you're kind of like making the form. I guess it's almost re reverse of where a sculpture. It's like a negative process. I mean, you can add after, but right. But but it is. I'm, I'm trying to make. I'm trying to follow the form and, right. and make it so it's very volume. Like you had volume to it, you know. Absolutely. With light and shadow, and and I think like one of the. This is such a like a, a very small rule, but it makes all the difference in the world. Is uh, learning how to do uh, form shadow and cast shadow. Mm -hmm. And one is soft. Form shadow is soft, and cast shadow is hard. Right. And knowing the difference between that was like. For some reason, that was one aha moment where it was like my pieces started to get a lot more depth to them, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and those I, were like I learned that from my brother because he also went to art school. Oh wow! And yeah, so yeah, there's always I, little things like that that just turn a light on in your head, you know, when you're learning. Um, I remember when I when I was a kid and I first learned shading. 
Sure. You know, just like by drawing, actually it was a kind of, it wasn't even cross hatching. It was a bunch of lines yeah. in, you know, next to each other. And that was just, I remember I was like, you know, nine years old or something. I was like, Oh my God. So every, every drawing I did had all these, you know, lines on it and it just made it look <laughs> yeah. like so much better than it had. But I wanted to bring up the, your painting technique because, um, I was surprised when I saw, you know, Bekshinsky, the painter. Yeah. yeah he's like one of my favorite painters, but, um, when I finally, I think, I think he's probably one of every artist in the dark arts favorite painters. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he was amazing. 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 And there's a, there's a, uh, a guy named Fred Cot- Cotero, I believe. I think he's mm-hmm. French. That dude's always posting new Bekshinskys all the time. Like he's got so many paintings that you haven't still haven't even seen. It's yeah. But but aside from but aside from that, he's kind of an anomaly because it's like it, they're all masterworks too. That's the crazy thing is like you rarely see a, a a miss with him. It's like they're all amazing. But when I finally saw one in person. Uh, it was at Morpheus Gallery, this place that used to be in Beverly Hills that used to carry Bekshinsky paintings and Giger's and stuff. And they've since, I think the owner closed up and moved to Vegas. and They're kind of an online thing now. But I was so blown away when I went and looked at his paintings because it was all little marks like you're talking. But, you know, he's doing it in oil, though. Okay. So it was interesting. You know, Were they they big or small? They're big. They're big. Dick. They're, you know, they were, I, mean, I don't know, three by four feet, maybe something, oh. you know, they're pretty big. So, and it was all these little teeny marks over the whole thing. It was like, That's I don't know cool. if that was a phase in his career, maybe, but um, when I seeing the pictures in the book, you wouldn't know that that's how they were painted. I had no idea. And then I sure. saw another one, which is kind of a famous one of like one of his crucifixions type Mm-hmm. Uh, paintings and there's like a bunch of it's like I think it's on a hill there was a bunch of bodies all over the hill and there's like a crucifixion up here um, the guy I worked for Rick Baker had one and I just is so it was all little marks it was crazy I never never would have known <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's awesome I I know I didn't know that either yeah <laughs> um, but I, I, I work small, so my, my, my little marks tend to kind of get blended together, and maybe to, to an untrained eye, they might not notice that. Yeah, I, I didn't see that. Actually, I was kind of surprised um, to hear you say that, because looking in your work, I didn't see that. Yeah, so, um, but there's, I mean, it's a tons and tons of layers. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, like how I, I read that, like Maxfield Parish used to work, you mm-hmm. know, just tons and tons of glazes, and you know, there was that story... I don't know if you've heard it, but I think he was like accused of practicing witchcraft oh, because really? there's... His, his paintings had so much light to them yeah. because of the layering and how the light would affect the layers of glazes. Right. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing that. That's really cool. So you, you work small, huh? Yeah. What, yeah. What, I mean, what size big, do you do you work at? The biggest I've ever gone <laughs> is probably I don't know, like not even two feet wide. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my safe, my safe size is like, I don't know, anywhere from like a, an eight by 10 to like a 12 by 12 or like a 14 by 18, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I tend to paint a lot of 11 by 14s, but that to me, that's my smallest size I like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I and I honestly I do those because they're easier to sell than larger pieces for me. Sure. Now. But I I remember for a long time my 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 safe zone was twenty four by thirty. That's where I was like, this is the right size for me. Oh, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I really want to paint. When now when I do a twenty four by thirty, I'm like, whoa, this is daunting. Do I'm you, so used to doing these eleven by fourteens. Do you paint like on an easel, or do you? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think part of the reason why small is more comfortable for me is because I paint at my desk. Oh wow! Over. So I don't get I don't get a lot of space back from it. So when I'm painting a bigger bo- board, I, I, I paint an illustration board. So if I have oh, a okay. big board, when, when I'm looking at that in that way, it gets daunting because right. I'm not. Like, I don't, I don't take the time to like look back at all the time. I think if you're, if you're at an easel and you can stand and walk away from it, right. but I'm, I'm at my chair, you know, and I, I kind of just, I'm looking, I'm very close to it. Is so. it like a drafting table that can, is angled or? Yeah. Slight angle. Yeah. It's right. drafting table. Oh, okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually, this is actually where, I, where I'm talking right now is where I work. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. So I like the idea of being contained like that, but I, I feel like just personally, I, I want to be bigger, just yeah. you know, for, for whatever reason. It's just like a personal preference. But I do love small, you know, you know who's great at that is uh, Naoto Hattori. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his that, stuff's amazing. He does these tiny yeah. little paintings that are just like no, He's painting so with tight. like a single hair. You yeah, know I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've I've had conversations with other artists. I, do you know Matt Dangler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to school with him, and oh, cool. uh, yeah, he's great. We had a, we were having a back and forth about like what size should we paint? What what size is a better is is more attractive to a buyer or to a mm-hmm. collector? And it's like in the end, the way the way that I see it is in the end, I think it's it's however you think whatever is most comfortable for you will just benefit you in the end. Cause you'll, you'll paint better. Yeah. You'll be you'll, into it. Um, yeah, absolutely. you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there might be some rule there maybe, but I think also at a gallery, it comes down to curation. Mm-hmm. Like I think it'd be really silly for a curator to have a giant, like Martin Witt first piece next to like a small one because yeah. people are going to be drawn to the bigger piece. Right. But like, I've, you know, maybe, maybe have a room of bigger pieces and have a room of smaller pieces. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I always loved when I, when I go to, go to a museum and you have these small little gems and these, and these fat frames and right. it, it just it draws you right in and yeah. it, it your attention because you have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It, it's, it's its own little thing. It's, it's yeah. But every artist should paint, you know, you should paint the size you feel like you should paint at. You yeah. Know? I'm at a point. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go for it. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm at a point where I haven't done a big epic huge painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've done a 36 by 48, which is what is that three th- three feet by f- uh, four three by four? Is that what it is? 48, 12 by four is 48. Yeah, three by four feet. That's the biggest I've done. Uh, I think that the ego death painting was three by four feet, and that. That's really big for me, but I want to do a huge, a four by six <laughs> painting. I want to do a, a four Jeez. by six because I have, I've got this frame waiting for me, this crazy, cool, black, gothic looking frame. It's all ornate that um, my framer's holding for me. He, he saw, he bought it and he told me, he's like, I thought, you know, this is a perfect frame this for you. you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I, but it's, you know, I, it's going to take me like a year to paint that thing or maybe six months I could do, do something. And it's like, what? I don't even know what I would paint. Yeah. You know, like a right. scene or uh, imagine a giant head. That's kind of what I want to do. Like the portrait. <laughs> that would be, be quite a statement. A you know? giant <laughs> portrait of this creepy ass head that's just like huge. I, I kind of feel like, man, because I would love to get in there and I would love to detail a head that was that big. To me, that sounds yeah. like so much fun. Right. I mean, I, I remember that reminds me of like seeing like a Todd Shore piece up in up right. close. Yeah. Because that is. He paints huge, but they're so detailed. Another, I mean, you can see the another, pores. yeah, yeah, no, he's he's so <laughs> amazing. He's someone you don't hear about anymore I know. very often. It's know, so right? weird. Um, and he's a, he's an acrylic guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he's the, <Team> acrylic. <laughs> <laughs> he's the perfect example of of that. Um, being able to, you know, it doesn't matter when you're good. It doesn't matter what you're painting with. Well, the, oh, the one, I will say the one thing also for those listeners out there who are trying acrylic, be careful with their usage of white. Because <laughs> oh. as soon as you add white to something, it gets so chalky. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Um, and granted, you need it to add body to certain colors, but like that's why also I glaze a lot because sometimes you add white, you're like, ah, oh, crap, it looks so chalky. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like you're kind of finding this balance, you know. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Lots of artists and a uh, younger artist as well listen to this show so we love shop talk and stuff like that what, what's your what uh tangents are important yes <laughs> um what's your what's your color palette what do you oh, do you have like a, a kind of a set palette um this is something i never ask artists you're the first person sure. i've asked i think but it's something i'm really interested in so i think so I tend to have, I mean, I, I know that like I've been told by certain artists to have like a, a warm and a cool of like every color. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that's just too daunting. Yeah. Um, and I, I never utilize them. And so over the years, I've sort of like, when you, when I look at my palette, cause I paint with small brushes and I mean, here, I'll show you, this is what I'm working with right here. This is, this is my palette, right? I'm going to do, I'm going to do another screen grab. So hold, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so what colors do we have there? Oh, man. So I have like a, a really light yellow hue to here. I think. So like Naples yellow or something? or Yeah, Naples yellow. Yep. And that's cadmium orange. And then like a, a, maybe like a, I forget what purple is, a violet maybe. And then uh -huh. I have like a, a diax, diaxol purple. Right. And then a cobalt blue. And then I think that's like a, a deep red. And then I have like a, a, a Viridian green and then I got like a hooker's green, dark hue, and then just white. But that's okay. just for one, one piece. Uh, it'll change depending on what I want to do. You don't have like so, a go-to set? Um, I have certain colors that I, I know I can sort of count on mm -hmm. for certain things. And there's certain greens that just like are certain, they just don't work with what I want to see. Mm -hmm. So I just don't use them. And I sort of, so what I was getting at was like my palette will be these like blobs of acrylic with little like, needle pokes in them to get the paint. <laughs> right. And, and I've, I've sort of like, after every painting's done, I'll see what paint, what paints I don't touch. And ah, I'll just interesting. take them out. Oh, that's cool. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not very scientific. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and so, yeah. So like if, if I'm working on a piece, I'm like, I want this piece to be blue or I want this piece to be like basically green or something, you know, I'll, I'll have more of that color in there right. and then I'll have, it's like, 
it's opposite, you know, to maybe make mixed grays and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I definitely work in simpler, I guess not monochromatic, but maybe more analogous color schemes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're um, doing a lot. Like I said, you're, you're like you mentioned, and I agreed is that you're, you're doing a lot of optical mixing. I think they call it where you're, or it's not, it's not direct mixing of the color. It's more like the layering will get you the colors you want. Exactly. And you get a lot, and like you said, you get a lot of variation mm-hmm. to get some of that rainbow effect, I guess. Um, and depth too. Depth. Yeah. But also too, the paint dries so fast and acrylic dries dark. So right. that's the other thing. That's the other thing that drives me nuts about acrylic is the dark. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, so, so you, Oh no. You're, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, I, it's always like trying to match that color, but it's never quite right. So it's right. always just kind of like, you're just constantly blending and you're kind of finding this, right. homey taste, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I liked, I, I love that. Cause every, every painting has a little bit, I mean, it, it still looks like your work, but it's like, it's got a surprise, you know? Yeah. Know. Yeah. 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 Do you, right. do you, uh, you know, it seems like if you're going to be a painter doing kind of the stuff that, that, that you and I do, I think, I think we're, you know, a lot of us are in the same boat where we're painting, um, kind of tight, you know, not super, super tight, but more on the tight side of things. Probably an illustration education does more, especially for people doing this kind of fantasy stuff. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I bet bet an illustration education is probably better than a fine art painting education. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that being a thing. I I know a lot of painters that that have an illustration background, and they're like the most badass painters for the most part. Not always, but... A lot of great painters I know have an illustration background. I, I've noticed, I think it depends on uh, where they learned it and what the focus was. I remember when I was yeah. in school and the art, the fine art department was very like postmodern. It was like more about really focused on like the emotional side of the painting and not really the rules of it. Right. You know what I mean? And it was like, paint what you feel. I mean, it, that sounds so hippie, but yeah. it kind of that you know what I mean like, <laughs> yeah. and and uh the illustration department was very regimented and like you need to know anatomy and you did take a right. like color theory course and and I feel like the marriage of the two would be so important yeah, you know what I mean that's true that's true um, it seems like if for me if I would feel like I would want to take all the illustration classes and maybe one of those hippy dippy ones or a couple of the hippy dippy ones, <laughs> you know sure, what I mean? Sure. To augment that. Cause like, I want to know anatomy. I want to know how like, I want to know how to make this stuff look real, you know, Just, yeah. but, but that's what I want to express. So it might be different for other people, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also too, like there, you know, there, I think the schools like the ones that are in Russia or like Eastern Europe that are very focused on classic training right. are, are far and few between now. I mean, I think PAFA in Philly, like the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, which is one of the, I think is the oldest art school in the country. Oh, wow. I, I'm wrong. I don't know. But they they are very focused on that, too. Right. Um, when you walk in that the main hall of that building, first of all, it's a bu- beautiful building designed by Frank Furness. So it's got this like gothic architecture to it. We walk in the hall and it's just like old casts of like classic statues. So cool. Um, and, and, and that's what students have to, to look at and to draw from. And, you know, and, and I, I envy that. And if I ever went back to school, I, I wouldn't, but if I ever did, that's <laughs> where I'd want to go just to kind of have the time to just like 
sort of learn the, learn more classic techniques and right. But but that that kind of technique to me seems closer to illustration than the hippy dippy stuff. Well, I mean, all the all the all the quote unquote masters of the past were all illustrators, right? You know, yeah, I mean, they yeah. were illustrating Bible passages. That's but true. That's true. No read, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, they were all illustrators. You know, right, right. Um, and also, too, I feel like there was a sense that realism was important because you had to like, you had to convince your audience. There, it was very relatable. You right. know, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there were no cameras, <laughs> so right. it was like a way of taking a picture in a in, in a in a yeah. sense. But I think that's what's so cool about um, dark art and fantasy type work is is taking. It's like you're taking a picture of something that can't exist or doesn't exist. You know, that's what I like about the realism element of it, and to mix that with stuff that's like loose. I don't know. I just it just does it for me i'm uh, me too <laughs> i mean i i grew up i grew up watching like you know the original star wars and willow and uh the labyrinth and all these amazing creative movies that like i mean especially for kids like they're very mm-hmm. hard to find nowadays right like, especially for like a younger demographic mm-hmm. and uh man i mean just that i that 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 hooked me like i i don't know if if it was an earlier thing for me than that, but I mean that having those worlds that like you could immerse yourself into, and they didn't, they had their own their own rules, but they right. weren't like too foreign, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. I, I've talked about this too with like modern movies um, using so much CGI, and when it's done, it's it, it, the, the what's the the uncanny valley, the idea right, of like yeah, yeah. as technology gets better you're never going to be able to convince someone, especially when it comes to like human figures. Right. But like, I feel like when, when um, I like watching animations or like fantasy movies where they create all their own rules. Right. And also like, you know, as far as like physics and whatnot, and that way you're fully immersed and you don't question it. Right. Right. You know what I mean? um, whereas like CGI, if it's done bad, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can kind of, I think you can kind of, do have any rules as long as it's not like it has to be believable necessarily. It's like, it has to be good. If it's good, you'll accept it. You know, right. you know what I mean? Totally. You know, um, I don't know. I've just been, I've been rewatching game of Thrones recently to get ready for the, the new season and, sure. and, you know, talk about a good marriage of CG and, it's true. It looks, I mean, I was, I, I, some of the, I, some of the, the images I was looking at were like, it's just absolutely beautiful. Like, I don't know how the hell they do it. I mean, I was into CG for a while and visual effects. Yeah. And it's just like, this looks like an amazing old master's painting. Just this one right. pan across the gray sky and all these zombies. It just was like so amazing. So good. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> It is. I mean, I, I've sort of lost interest for just, but for narrative sake, I'm, um, but you're right. It is. Beautiful. How far did you get? How far did you I got to the end? I mean, I put, I'm going to, I'm going to watch the last okay, season. Okay. <laughs> I, I put that much time in, I might as well finish it, but there are, you know, there's certain, certain aspects of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of over it. Yeah. Um, I'm so into but it. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I you with everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Second time around, I was like, there were some 
areas where I was like, okay, I'm not that interested in this storyline. But overall, it's so amazing. It's so, so amazing. When that dragon, when she first pulls that dragon out and it she burns that army, it's just like, or the, you know, the, uh, uh, the scene, the, it's called the battle of the bastards. Do you remember okay. that? It's yeah, the one yeah. where, where they're fighting and there's so many, so many people fighting that it just starts building these, these mountains of people. Yeah. I was just like, I fucking, it was so amazing to me that I, I started crying <laughs> and it, not because it was sad because it was so beautiful. It was so incredibly filmed and it was just like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. And he's like crawling. Do you remember that? And he like gets covered oh, yeah. with the bodies. He starts, it was it's, like, Oh my God. I'd like stood up and I just was like, yeah, it was amazing. It was so well, I, amazing. Oh my God. I remember watching like the making of the episode and, and they did want to talk about like, and all these movies we've seen in the past, probably just because of limitations, they never, they never sort of like, where did the bodies go during these giant battles? Right. <laughs> yeah. Battle right. Look? You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you have when you have hundreds, if not thousands, of people marching on a field and they're all dying. Right? How would that look? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel like in the past, you know, when, when you're watching old, old medieval movies or whatever, or even even like war war movies, like it's just you don't have enough extras. <laughs> you just, right. You can't right. Yeah. You couldn't do it before. Work. You know. <laughs> so but. that that was you're right though. That was, I mean, for 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 my cr- criticisms of that show, there are moments that are just like. Holy shit. Yeah, this it's is... just jaw dropping. It's it's almost yeah. it all, to, for me, it kind of makes me forget about any lulls that I, you know, I was like, sure. oh, this part's kind of dragging a bit. It's just like the payoff is so huge. It's yeah, it's it's just been blowing my mind. And you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I per- personally I tend I tend to navigate towards shows that are a little more uh shorter and just for just for my own for time, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Um like I love Black Mirror. Yeah, Black Mirror's great. Those those are incredible. Yeah, um, they are. And and also that writing for me, it like it sticks with me for days after. Yeah, certain episodes like are so heavy and just, and it and they're so layered. Um, yeah, the writing is so, it's like there's not. I mean, there there is now now. Uh, there's been a lot of great writing. Like The Sopranos was great, and you know sure. all the kind of classics are. The writing's great, but. Why every show should be that good? If you're going to put all that money into it, the the writing should be. The, I know the primary when, thing. When someone tells me that I have to wait like a season or two till it picks up, I'm like, no, I'm not even going to do that. Like, right. I'm not going to waste my time. Now, I don't know what you have to do when you get home after work, but you know, like I don't have that kind of time. Right, right. I've got, I've got my, uh, I, uh, my TV next to my easel. So I paint every time I paint. I mean, I'm usually watching documentaries because you you don't have to pay so much attention to it. Sure. You know, but I'm, I'm, that's what I, most people listen or a lot of artists listen to music. I always have the TV on. I, I, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a bad habit, but I always, you know, I've seen every documentary and I love documentaries. So. And if you're, if you're making the artwork that you're making, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's working. Okay. It, it is yeah. working for me, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I go through stages. I listen I listen to podcasts or like I'll go through right. like TED talks or something. Mm-hmm. It depends. But then like I feel very lucky because being a music lover and a musician, I'll 
in college, it started in college, actually. I would go and I'd buy like two or three new albums to like when I started a new painting and I oh, just listen cool. to them as I painted. And what's I cool about, do- I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's great about that is, is that when you hear that music five years later, you, you, you remember like the painting, yeah. you know what the I mean? Moment, yeah. A hundred percent. I love that and, about music. Oh, totally. Um, but I still do that. And what what's so lucky is I feel like your average person, they listen to, you know, satellite radio or they, mm-hmm. if they do, if they are into still listening to albums, it'll take them like three commutes to get through an album. Right. And I'll like take, I'll take an album and I'll listen to it three times in a row. Right. Right. <laughs> and really die, and, die, and have a chance to really like digest it. And Definitely. Get into it. Um, and I, and that's, and I, and I know that's a very lucky position to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, shit man so, I grew up in the 70s yeah. and the vinyl era I grew up in the vinyl era and um, it was you know when you bought an album you bought it you went to walk down to the record store you bought the mm-hmm. album you're 12 years old or whatever and you take it and you listen to it and you look at the liner notes and you look at yeah. the artwork and you're sitting there paying to- fully paying attention to the music or at least I was reading all the credits it was, oh yeah, it was an experience like you know, like reading a book or something. It's like it, I call it like a ritual. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like, um, and I feel like there are still people that appreciate that. It's it's they're very few and far between, but um, yeah, the, and that's and that's how I create when I do layouts and artwork. I I'm creating it for the fan, for me, right? How I want to take it. And I, granted, I'm I'm doing mostly CD layouts. I've only done a, a hand a handful of um, vinyl layouts, but. Um, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm making the CD, uh, art, like I, I want to make it like this full immersive thing. So the people that do get a chance to open it and like read through the lyrics or like look at all the artwork and have it really relate right. to the music, you know, um, this, this, this new album that I just finished, I, I, uh, I did a piece of art for every song. And oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, and, and it, it's taken me three years to finish this project. <laughs> I, I wanted it to be like a full statement of where I am or where I, where I was really when I wrote those songs. Right. Um, yeah. I, so are you going to, uh, do you think you're going to do any vinyl pressings? Um, it would be cool we'll to have a booklet and everything. I mean, that's that, something that would be you, rad. Vinyl's you, expensive. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you could, you could kickstart it. Well, so right now I'm going to see, <laughs> how popular it is and to right. see if there's see if there's a good response to it because honestly the way i see it now is like um the music for me right now is more personal than it is like a product right and yeah you're doing it for I yourself do, yeah and because i'm, I'm paying for everything myself mm-hmm. and luckily i've got lots of friends that are willing to you know like trade or help me out because they believe in the project but you know, it's still at the end of the day, it's still a big investment of time and money. And so if I'm going to invest money in the next step, it's going to be for the next record, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, that but, makes sense. But if it's but super it, popular. Yeah, unless unless there's, you know, people want it, then, you know, if I can kickstart it and, and, and make enough of the product for who's buying it, then that's totally cool. I, I That's one thing. Another thing on my list of things I want to do is do a Kickstarter for a book idea I have in my head and doing like an album release, but yeah. yeah. My friend, uh, Gabe Leonard, I don't know if you know him, the painter, he's a really great painter. He does. Oh, check him out. 
Yeah, he's great. Um, he just launched this morning at eight o'clock, and he reached his goal of twenty thousand dollars in forty-five minutes. Holy shit! Yeah, and it was for books. <laughs> it was for books of his artwork. Wow, that's amazing. It does, is amazing. I mean, does he? I I don't know who he is, but does he have a pretty big following, or was he doesn't have? He's building his online following. Um, he's been, I think, the last year or so. He's been putting effort towards that but it was like it was only with like 27 people or something it was crazy because he had i think oh. he had some some galleries buy these big ticket items mm. which were like original paintings and and stuff gotcha. so so that was i was like wow that's pretty amazing that he was able to do that in 45 minutes 20 grand that's crazy but that's- yeah you you do need the, you you need that's that's why it's important to do all the social media stuff because the right. more you know, the more followers you have, um, the the more success your Kickstarter is going to have. Totally, I'm 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 still fumbling around with Instagram and uh, Facebook. I has gotten too much for me, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I still I still need to focus on it. You know, like um, focus on Instagram, man. Yeah, it's, but, you know, and it's 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 interesting to see what posts like when I sponsor posts, like what does better than others. I don't know. I'm still. I feel I feel like I'm like an 80 year old stuck in a 35. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I have not had luck with the paid posts, and lately, last few times I've tried to even pay for a post, they reject it because they think it's too dark or violent or something. I don't know what sure. you know. It's crazy. It, uh, yeah. I, I it's, I'm just so used to this kind of imagery. It doesn't seem. It's not like I'm showing hardcore violence or hardcore sex or anything it's you know but they but their new standards are like if this is up i forget how they word it but it's like (laughs) anything that's upsetting to people (laughs) it's like if it's an upsetting image it's like give me a break the uh the incessant gym bros (laughs) are yeah right (laughs) to me but (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) i find uh the kardashians extremely offensive and you know that whole lifestyle to me is offensive and you know but they don't they don't care about us yeah (laughs) i'm I'm sure that more money is brought in by the by that demographic than the ones that like dark arts yeah yeah it's it's a it's a bummer it's a bummer but you know that's the world we live in i just it's (laughs) it's insane it's just insane um so what do you have any shows coming up or, or, or plans um, for big projects, art projects you're doing? So this this album was the the big project that I've been like Yeah, that uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That that is that's your big thing coming up. That's not out yet. Well no, no, yeah. I mean so that so I I mean I don't know about you, but like I get I can't move on to like the next big thing until that last one's finished. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to like the marriage of music and art, because that's just like so much effort and like just trying to just also the logistics of, of planning. I mean, you've made books, you know how it goes. Like yeah. all the logistics. Oh, yeah. I'm three years, <laughs> three years later. Yeah. My yeah book. Right. yeah but like lay, layout and, and dealing with printing and, and making sure the music's good and the master is good. And, um, yeah, right. And nice. also, and, and also because it is your own, your way, I scrutinize it way harder than mm-hmm. I would uh for anyone else just because like you second guess everything right every movie making it's just like i don't know and 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 that also is the important 
importance of forcing yourself to finish something because you can spin your wheels forever if oh, you lie yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that, that's like my big thing coming up. Um, and once once it's out on the 26th and once like the I have like the physical copies in my hand, I know that like a, a weight will be off my shoulders. And yeah. um, but I've got a bunch of gallery shows coming up. Um, oh, cool. I've got. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm part of crazy for cult this year okay. and I've got a few shows with Haven and, um, Northport, Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, like gallery. They're, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I keep hearing all kinds of great things about them. Um, yeah. So I've got a few shows of them and then there's a really cool uh, online gallery called wow. Mm-hmm. By, uh, Tim McLean runs that one out of Scotland. And, and so I've got a few shows, uh, through that coming up and, um, I work with a really awesome company called Holy Mountain Printing out mm-hmm. of uh, Carolina, and I, you know, I'll do some projects for for him. You what know, kind of stuff do they do? So he, um, that company focuses mainly on like uh, death metal, and they do a lot of like t-shirt printing okay. for touring bands, and they'll and they'll do like uh, poster art and vinyl releases and stuff. So um, it's the, one of my favorite people to work for. Mm. That's for sure. Cool. They're incredible. Um, so you do illustration work for them or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and, and they'll, they'll do, and what's really cool is they'll, they'll do like local um, screenings of, of classic movie and stuff. So I've done like some like awesome full, full color paintings of uh, for their opening nights and stuff. And they'll sell like limited edition prints and stuff for that. Oh, cool. You know, they, they did a, a really cool um, Jodorowsky night. Oh, nice. Holy Mountain in uh, El Topo. Oh, so cool. I did a poster for that. That was really fun, you know. Oh, you did you did posters for that? Yeah. Oh, how cool. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so, like fun. Yeah, it was it was it, it, I've got some some fun stuff coming up. Um but keep myself open, try to work on some personal personal work. Right. Um I've noticed that like as I've gotten older, stressing myself over stressing myself out over getting projects and reaching out to different clients and you know like i it is very important to work on your personal body of work mm-hmm. so i've been trying to schedule in that as well right because i have a day job that i can rely on mm-hmm. you know it, it makes it so it's not as stressful i don't have to like beat yeah. down that store you know what i mean right and, I, and, and as much as i would love to do this full time and eventually hopefully i'll get there but um I don't know, the grass is always greener. You know what I mean? I feel right. like it is, it's a good break and, and, a, and a nice nice thing that I don't have to fully rely on the art, you know? Because yeah. I, I feel like I would be taking jobs that I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily be really into. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So it, I, that's, yeah. Is, is, is was, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I think that's another, another thing. Uh, as we talk, I get these little these little amusings of like what I, what I would tell my younger self or what I would tell students now. And I think another thing too is like you don't have to be a full time artist to be an artist, right? Absolutely. And and that's one thing that I have wrestled with my whole career mm-hmm. and still do. Sometimes you know you get down on yourself because you might not be as busy because you know it, it is feast or famine a lot of times. You know right. there'll be months or there'll be busy months, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure. Um, I think it's societal too. I think it's ingrained in us. Um, but yeah, to not, you know, I think to, 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 if you're, if you're making art, you're an artist, like you don't have right. to working seven days a week 
to consider yourself amongst, you know, but the people that you look up to, but right. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a price to be paid for that. You know, it's, it's, it suits me because being full time, because I'm super, I'm kind of a workaholic. Like that's, I mean, that's all I do. It's all I would be doing anyway. And, and I, and I put my 25 years in of working, Uh, you know, it was an effects job. So it was a great job, but, but still, you know, I did the 40 hours a week thing for 25 years. So it was like a huge thing to, it it was the right time for me to move on and do my own thing, you know? Um, But at the same time, you know, it would be nice to not have that pressure all the time of having every, pretty much every month having right. to figure out, okay, how am I going to pay for this, this huge bill I have for all the, you know, all the money I put out this month to just keep my business running, right. you know? Yeah, totally. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a major, uh, stressor. So. And I, th- I think that that's also something that I think as artists, as we go through our, day to day and as the years pass by you start to get to know like how you can work and and how you and like some people like like yourself sounds like you you have no problem uh setting deadlines for yourself Mm -hmm. for me i'm so scatterbrained (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know that i uh i find myself having a hard time focusing and it is nice to have deadlines and to have have that time away where it like have it kind of just sets up the structure of my week right you know and i continue the structure as you know, in my other areas of, of, of my creativity. Right. So I, I, as much as I would like to think that I could do it full time and, and be regimented and dedicated to it. I don't know if I could. Well, <laughs> you know I mean? if you had to, you could, oh, <laughs> you know, you could, if you had to, right. that's the, that's the, th- I, cause I'm kind of, I'm very disorganized. I mean, you know, you could see the room in here. This is, it's like chaos. Um, but it's, it's, this, this lifestyle is forcing me to have deadlines and, you know, it's forcing me to do it. It's not something I naturally do, but that was also part of the appeal of going out on my own was, can I, it was a challenge. Like, can I do this? I'm so not suited for it in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways I am very suited for it. Like I, I, um, I'm kind of like an independent person. I like to be alone. You know, I don't yeah. necessarily the the social thing of being at a job is is not always comfortable for me. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm very disorganized, and it's 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 tough. It's hard for me to do so. It's it's um it's good for me in that way because it's forcing me to grow as a person. J- just in the yeah. same way that this podcast has forced me to to learn how to speak better and. Sure. You, know, you know what I mean? So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. But uh, but I am kind of envious of people who don't have to hustle. You know, <laughs> kill themselves hustling. Well, again, it, it, it is for me an internal internal struggle because I feel like that's what I should be doing with my time, and so I'll find myself at work being mad that I'm at, I'm at the bar right. at my desk. You know, it's just, it's a constant battle. That's I mean, that's that's why that's what. Um, yeah, once I made I made the decision in 2000. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to try and do this fine art thing. And then I think it was 2007 or 2009, I can't remember when I finally made the break. And um 
I was getting success while I was working the day job. So yeah. I was seeing the potential for earning a living through my fine art. Sure. And so the more I sold, the harder it became to go to work. And the more frustrated I became sitting there right. thinking, oh, I got, especially when you've been, you've had it built up in you for so many years, because I wasn't doing any fine art at all. You know, I was doing my band and um, working. And yeah. when the band kind of fell apart for the last time after like 10 years of trying, I was like, fuck it. And then I got into computer stuff and blah, blah, blah. But um, it just, the, the more successful I became, just on a kind of a smaller level, a local level, showing at Cannibal Flower group shows and stuff, it just became like, it was driving me insane to, to, to have to go to the day job. It was like, I couldn't take it anymore. But, but it was, like I said, it was, it was 20, 20 years of that or whatever that was, you know, accumulating. So that was kind of, and, if, and, you know, the effects business was going downhill. The, the work was getting less, the, you know, pay rates were getting lower. The speed of which we had to create things was getting faster. It just wasn't as right. The job started um, declining the jo quality of the job the jobs that we'd get. So it was a lot of different things. I'm glad I did it. But at the same time, you know, I, I do sometimes wonder, I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, if I could count on this weekly paycheck, that would be nice to have that. But I'm on Patreon now and that's kind of taking place, you know, re replacing. It's not as much as I would make work in effects, but it's helping a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's consistent enough where it's like a... Yeah, it's been pretty... Their monthly kind of thing. Yeah, it's been pretty consistent. Um, nice. And, 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 and I know that the more effort I, I put towards promoting it, because you can, you can build it up to where you're being supported by people who are paying you a dollar or five dollars a month. You get right. enough, enough of those, and I could, make, I could be making more money than I would make in effects. Sure. Just, you know, just for sharing your work directly to your yeah. fans, which is, um, you know, it's the ultimate really, because you, you don't you offer tears like, like, um, yeah, yeah. Centers and stuff you do. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like, you know, basically everything I'm working on at the moment, pictures and stuff is a dollar, $3. It's time lapses and pictures, $5. It's pro tips, time lapses and pictures. $10 is a monthly tutorial. $50 is like a collector thing to where you can get a discount, an ongoing 20% discount on my, in my web store or my artwork plus everything else. And then I got a hundred dollar level where I'm doing like mentorships, Skype one-on-ones like we're doing, but I'm kind of mentoring a person, helping them with their artwork. So it's working out really well. I just, I need to promote it more so I can earn more from it. Cause I, I would like that to be my primary source of income because you're just, sharing what you do with the people who are willing to pay for it. It's amazing. I mean, that's like, that's like a, a modern, like atelier, like. Absolutely. It's like a modern patronage, you know, it's like the, yeah. you know, like the, except nobody's got that kind of money <laughs> to, to be like your patron and just pay you to make right. artwork. But a lot of people giving small amounts, you know. I mean, had, had this existed when I was like in high school or something, like, I don't know if I would have gone to art school, you know what I mean? Like, right. I know. I know. Um, yeah. I, I've thought about that a lot actually of like, cause I've seen online, like amongst the artist community, like, should you go to art school? Is it worth it? And it's like, there's a lot of factors yeah. with 
And I feel like it depends. There's it, like also too, and I, where, where, where you're coming from. Like at, when I was in high school, it, what like everyone was being pushed to go to college, either be like a lawyer or doctor or whatever, all that. Right. But being an artist was like, no one, no <laughs> one knew where to direct me. You know what I mean? Right. I had also teachers, but like they were also old school. Like, the, I, it was still the idea of going to college. There was like no other option, you know. Right. So and that's that's what I did because that's what my parents wanted me to do, and that's, so there was some pressure there, and and that's what it what like that was the only step that I thought because if I stayed at home, I'd be working some shit job, and right. I probably would have had the time to develop my art skills, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I I look at people like you that went to art school and had an illustration training. Like I'm so envious of that. I wish I had done that myself. I mean, it it all worked out in the end. I'm happy. Everything's cool. Yeah. But but the idea of actually now going to art school to me sounds like the most fun thing. It sounds like so much fun. Well, the thing is that I, I don't know how things are at least for for my school where I went. Um I had a chance to like talk to some of my old, my old professors a few years back and like they like fully like changed up how they train the students now. Right. And like, you know, every student needs to have like a, a MacBook or something and they, they need to have a website, which these are all awesome things. I wish I was forced to do, right. but that wasn't really like even on, it wasn't on the horizon or it was just over the horizon. Yeah, when, when, was, when did you go to school? What year was it? 2002 to 2006. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was so just, it's like right on the cusp. Right. You know? Right. And like MySpace was like the biggest thing, but yeah. it, you know, it wasn't being used to its potential. And now it's now then it became all like porn sites. I don't like, right. <laughs> but like, um, yeah. So, but now it's been, it's been really shifted. And also too, like there's, they were saying that a lot of their students, like none of them really do traditional work. A lot of it is digital. Oh, wow. A lot of the kids that they're that they're teaching are really into gaming and you know in, into all these new fads that have come up and so and I, that's great but I also think there is a lot of importance of of putting like real paint to oh absolutely pull, yeah you know that, I mean? that's better for people like us because that's you know as as much as AI takes over digital takes over computers take over there's never going to be a replacement for an original piece of artwork. Right. Or, or a band playing music live or something like that. Nothing will ever replace that. No computer, I don't think, you know. So it's like that's that's what we have. That's our thing of value, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think being able to express is really what separates us, you know, and makes us human, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, you know, you can express on a computer and digitally and I got really into digital oh, stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I'm not saying you're I'm not suggesting that you're saying otherwise, but <laughs> but I my point is that having an original piece, you know, with weight that mm -hmm. you touched. Yeah. You know, that that's that's the thing. That's yeah, the, man, that's I mean, the magic thing. Every every year I tell myself I try to put aside like at least a thousand dollars to invest in a piece of original artwork. Mm -hmm. Um, just because like, um, it's important to me. It's uh, but I also, I feel, I'd feel kind of like a fake if I wasn't participating right. in, in what I'm expecting from other people. That's you know true. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, but like you said, like when you, I, I can only assume what artwork you have, 
hanging in your place. But, and I'm, I, but like, I, and I'm lucky that my girlfriend, we have very similar tastes and work, but we all like dark stuff and, mm. and we all, but it's, it's stuff that we like. It's not stuff that we think people want to see. Right. You know what I mean? It's very personal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but original work, I mean, we have some prints, but like a lot of the stuff that I have is original work created by artists, either that like are local or by artists that I've, that I aspire to be or want, you know, or, but like, it's all original. And when you see it in person, you see like, if it's graphite, you see the dents in the paper and you see the shine and just all this stuff that you can't get from a scan or, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just so cool. And it, but it, it, it has this element that draws you in. You know, and, it's like, and you can tell it was done by someone's hand. It's right. so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's that human thing, you know. It's 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 the human, I don't know. It's the human touch. It's the human connection. It's the real I mean, thing. Like, maybe like <laughs> empathy. I don't know if that's the right word, but people can relate to it. Right. Because you know, someone's tried drawing on a napkin or, you know, I mean, at the smallest level. The, like so, someone that doesn't find themselves creative has tried to do that. And they look at it and it's like, wow, like, you know, right. And that's also, this is a weird, another tangent, but that's also inherently what keeps me from like, keeps me doing, uh, making art and making music is that like for the people that like wish they could do that, I feel like it would be a disservice to them to not do it to right. have it and to not go through with it. Oh yeah. And, and it's not, you know what I mean? It's a it's a disservice to yourself too. I know I know sure. people, um, a few people that I you know that are brilliant. I know uh, at least one person off the top of my head that's kind of an artistic genius that doesn't create art, and it's like you're you you owe it to yourself to to do what you're amazing at. You know, to yeah. and you kind of it's your um your it's your gift to the world too. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 you're adding to culture. You're 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 adding to the good in the world. Yeah, by creating artwork. Yeah, and I think you know for all the moments that creatives can get down on themselves, because I mean every every creative that I know and I've read, you know, from any level, you know of success, everyone doubts themselves. Oh yeah. But but when you, when, when you find that one person that like, that you've had like a positive effect on. Oh yeah. It's like, there's nothing like it. Oh yeah. It's amazing. So, you know, um, yeah, it's like the, uh, it's, you know, when you, yeah. When you've affected someone's life like that, you can't really beat it. You know, it's, 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 it's a, uh, it's better than money. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, uh, you know, and granted like doing the metal album artwork and stuff, it doesn't pay that well, but I love doing it. Right. And you know, like that's, that inherently is the payout. Like as much as like, I would love to be able to pay my, all my bills with it. It's like, eh. like at the end of the day, it's like, I do. This is like an an area where my art really fits, and Mm -hmm. I really do have a lot of control over over the visuals. Mm -hmm. So I I work with bands that like sort of either I've known and they trust me, or like they see my work and I can sort of talk them into you know my vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that inherently at the end of the day is why I still do it and why I'm doing it. You know, 
So yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing an amazing job at it. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know you're. Uh, you, you have to go to work, and I have to go to work too because I got to get ready for Monster Palooza, and um, it's. I, I have to. I have to be ready in two days. Jeez, where where is that this year? Is it in the it's, same place every year? Uh, every they do Monster Palooza in Pasadena, California, and then they do Son of Monster Palooza in Burbank, okay, California. So, um, yeah, this is the big the big convention for the year for me. So, I've got um, try. I, you know, I'm always trying to get as much done as possible because I, I need to make as much money as possible because it only comes right. around once a year. So, right, right, right. Things right. are things are so insane right now. But um, yeah, we'll put links to to uh all your stuff your cool. social media and all that um awesome. and is there a, a link is there a way to find out about your upcoming album or is that um i i just do it through instagram through uh my own page and then through the band's page which okay um so it's just b.flynn.art or okay. uh or diagonal path either one but um yeah that's that's where all the info is coming out, really. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the description as well. Um, Very cool. So awesome. yeah, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing all of your future artwork and hearing this album. Yeah, thanks, um, man. Yeah, the, the artwork for this album is a little different than what I normally do. I started experimenting with like digital photo uh, collage, uh -huh. just as like a it just it just happened as a way to like to kind of I don't know. I I love that stuff, man. I mean, that's how yeah. I, I when I was in effects, that's how I would create, or not always, but a lot, probably fifty percent of the time when I was creating monsters, I would use photos, photo manipulation. It's really fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's I it's not quicker, I guess. Like it's quicker, but it feels for me more tedious mm -hmm. um, because it's just like it's there's so so many layers and like yeah i know it gets crazy you know, to, to fish through them on photoshop or whatever it's just it's hard and then if you don't like blend an edge or if you don't right. erase an edge out you're like oh where, which layer was yeah that? You exactly like, <laughs> yeah um, i eventually started naming the layers because forever i never n named the layers and it's like right. things are so much easier when you name the layers yeah. in photoshop right. just take that extra few seconds yeah. to do that Sure. It's so worth it. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if you look at my Instagram, uh, I posted a few of the images from the album, but oh, it's cool. like, uh, I think I did like, over throughout the whole layout, I did about eight pieces, and it's all photo manipulation. Um, oh, but with some added like shading and color with, with Photoshop and stuff. And I feel like it does look like my work, but it is, it's just like a different experiment, experiment within it. Yeah, that's great. A new way to express yourself. Yeah, I love it. No. I, I personally, I love I love digital. I love working digitally. I love like editing. I love doing After Effects and creating, you know, stuff like that. So I'm uh, I'm totally awesome. into it. I'm totally into it. But I still stand by my belief that the original painting, <laughs> yeah. the original piece, is kind of the ultimate thing. Well, I think my next step I've wanted to do is to find because I know there's certain Epson printers can print on board. Mm -hmm. So I've been wanting to do a marriage of the two where yeah. I, I make the base layer, the digital piece, and then I paint over top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, That's do you like, know what's, uh, oh, what's his name? I know Jim Pavlik does that. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. I want to get him on too. I think I, I talked to him about coming on the show. 
I, I read recently, like someone asked him about his process and he kind of goes like, it's, it's, I can't imagine how time consuming it is, but I feel like he starts painting, scans it, prints it, paints on that print, scans it, prints it, paints on that. Like he does this like crazy layering. Right. The two. Yeah. You know, back. What the but, hell? Oh, I can't think of his name. He's going to kill me. I mean, I'm pals with this guy too. And he's on the East coast. He used to be an effects guy. Uh, I'm so sorry. Um, God, I'm completely. Let me see. I'm I'm looking at my e- email right now. <laughs> oh, Bill Basso. Bill Basso. Do you okay. know Bill Basso? I don't. I'm, I'm writing all these names down so I can look them up. <laughs> yeah, he um he's he's on the East Coast and maybe New Jersey. I'm not sure, but um he does this really cool thing where he. Okay, he makes a sculpture because he comes from the effects industry like I did. He makes a sculpture and then he photographs it and he kind of prints those photos out and cuts them. I think he kind of collages them together and he and he makes like this collage and then he kind of paints on top of that. It's oh, really wow. trippy. It's really interesting. Totally different. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So his stuff's great. I got to have him on too. I didn't even think of that. There's so many, you know, there's so many artists now that you know that's it's it is it's very inspiring it's i mean i on on one end it it makes it easy to get kind of get lost um if you're up to the viewers you know on on social media but like man there are so many amazing artists out there i know especially doing this kind of dark art thing and monsters it's it's like it's kind of a a renaissance for this it's it's yeah it's it's so big there's so many amazing artists and it's like when i when i first uh, when Mike left the show and I realized I was going to have to start doing interviews, I was kind of worried, like, oh, my God, is there going to be enough artists? But at this point, it's there's too many artists, you yeah, know? Right. So I'm just, like, making – I have this huge list that I, um, I'm i trying to get through. <laughs> so, it's, you know, and, and every day it seems like there's more new ones. So. I, mean, that's, I mean, just you saying that is more reason. I'm just – very happy that you found me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, Super I'm, cool. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out and you're able to come on. So um, yeah, just thank you for coming on, and uh, it was great talking to you. And uh, everyone, go and see the work. We'll have, like I said, we'll have links and everything. So um, yeah. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, yeah, thank you, you very much. Yeah, um, you can tell I'm tired. <laughs> I've been putting in the late <laughs> late nights getting ready for the show, so I'm like, uh, um, I got you up early too. <laughs> yeah, no, I would. I you know my my dog crawled in this our our big dog. He he snuck in the bed and he was laying next to me this morning, panting because he was under the blanket, and so he's like, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it just woke me up and I couldn't get back to sleep so I was up at like 6 in the morning that's probably why I'm so tired because I was working late (laughs) anyway let's end this thing All right, thank you for coming on thank you for having me yeah thank you everybody for listening Uh, if you want to support the Patreon it's patreon.com slash darkartsociety and you can join for as little as a dollar a day and help support the movement and help support the podcast and get in the secret Facebook group and that's it so thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Brendan, for coming on. Appreciate it. Very much. And goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.